Let's get real. Who wants to have another surface level conversation? Not us. I'm Samantha. And I'm Christian. Two friends having raw but truth-filled conversations about the messiness of life. So buckle up and don't be shy. Because, yep, we're We're going going there. Hi, Samantha. Hi, we switched it up. I know. I went for it. (laughs) Normally, Samantha says hi first, but... And it's kind of a weird thing. It's like, hi, guys. You can't say hi back. Well, welcome, guys. Samantha, what are we talking about today? We are talking about in-law relationships and just joining families in general, which... Even if you are not married yet, I'm sure there's certain aspects of, you know, maybe even I was thinking about this, like growing up now that I'm an adult, you see dynamics of even like my parents in law relationships, Mm -hmm. you understand more as you get older. So I think anyone can relate to this. It's kind of family dynamics in general as well. But specifically when you're joining with another family, things are really different, obviously. Yeah. And it can be hard to navigate. For sure. And maybe some of you guys listening today are like, oh, yeah, my family unit is awesome. We don't have any of these problems. It feels really normal and natural. And maybe some of you guys are like, ugh. Wait. Okay, this is really hard. I will say, I don't know a single person that would say the first thing. Like, like even the best family dynamics. Well, I think, though, like, there are seasons where I've said that, though, and then other seasons where I'm like, okay, this is actually harder. I thought this is going to be, like, the ideal yeah. situation, you know? I mean, I think I would be the one just to kind of start out sharing a little bit about our family and more specifically in-law dynamics. Like, I have the most ideal situation with amazing in-laws, and there's still things like taking the people out of it when you were joining sets of family and sets of schedules, there is not conflict, but there can be tension that comes along with that. There are dynamics that are hard to navigate with so many people. Yeah. So Christian, and you have five siblings. Yeah. So I'm one of five. And then my husband is also one of five. And so there's a lot of people and a lot of individuals to just navigate. And so joining families can be tough. Again, even if like emotions are great, it's still a lot of emotions to like keep up in the air, you know, like all the balls floating in the air. But we wanted to talk about this because we hear a lot of, honestly, a lot of like negativity around this idea. You know, there's obviously like the jokes of like the monster-in-law movie that came out. I don't know, that came out when I was like in junior high. And there's like a lot of talks about like, ugh, yeah, mother-in-laws or my in-laws or... Which I will say, I've actually heard some situations that my jaw is on the floor like, whoa, that is actually a horrible mother-in-law situation. Yeah, that's awful. Yes, yes, for sure there's those. But we wanted to talk about it because we don't think there should be this like negative connotation around it. You know, family is a huge gift it's something actually God created and God put us in in the first place. So we kind of wanted to start from that. Like, what is the truth of family units? And when even when you said that, we're not saying that there is not a ton of extreme difficulty within in-law relationships. Like we are sitting here stating the obvious that even in the best of situations, like I just said, there's going to be challenges even down to the worst. We're saying we don't think we should take this negative perspective anymore. And we want to be women in our generation that say like, okay, even when it feels really hard, how can we fight for reconciliation within families? And so that leads us to Christian and I were just chatting about this and we're like, what does the Bible even say about this? Like, what is the view on family? And I was even kind of reflecting and thinking, you know, I've never really thought about this. Like, obviously, in the Christian world, we're really taught that family is important. And like, honestly, maybe sometimes in even a negative sense, family is really highly esteemed, almost maybe 
in some church environments, like higher than even just like knowing God intimately. I don't know. Have you, I feel like you, I don't know. That can happen in churches where like the traditional family model is really idolized. Mm-hmm. So we're not saying that, but I think when we're reflecting and looking at like, how did Jesus live his life? Well, he really did like love his family and respect them a lot. And they were part of his life until, you know, the very end. And I think we can take a lot of that and think about the fact that even he didn't have to place us in families. Like, no, I think that's the amazing thing. Like when you start back, even at Genesis, like he didn't create individuals to live alone. He created us in community and those were called family units. I mean, he has Adam and Eve as a pair, as a family. And then even moving out of Genesis, we go into all of these different, you know, genealogies of all of these generations of families that they have a husband and a wife and kids and their kids have kids. And so they have grandkids and like that is generation. Yeah. That is how God created it. And so he obviously knew as people, we needed people who were not just even like community as like friends or community as like close neighbors, but he knew we needed people who like shared blood that we needed these like family units that like there was something that even deeper drew us together. Obviously Christ draws us together, but like even deeper that like we are related part of me is also part of you. And because of that, there's a lot of hardship there, but also a lot of cool things. And so starting out that like, I think we have to remember and thank God for and remember it is a blessing to be a part of a family and that, yeah, we get the great blessing of doing that and being alongside those people in those relationships. Yeah. That brings up an interesting point because I do see the sense I was actually talking with my mother-in-law last night about this, about how our generation and even hers in a sense places a lot, a lot, a lot of value on friendship relationships and this community. And hear me say right now, like if you know me personally, my friends are everything to me. I mean, my, like, you know this, like I literally thrive off of these really deep relationships that honestly feel more similar to family to me. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, something that is really good to remember, there is in my mind, at least, and I even would think biblically a distinction between someone who, and again, not blood related at all. I have an adopted daughter. I do not think that is what ties family Mm -hmm. as family. I think there's just this distinction between these people that in some way, even if they hurt us, even if there is distance created over years, there's always this tie back to that's my family. Mm -hmm. And I think that sometimes we can idolize friendship relationships that almost want to take the place of that sometimes, especially if we come from broken family situations or harder dynamics. And I think that's okay to have people that feel like that. And I'm honestly just kind of thinking all this out loud, but I also think that we should be people that are fighting towards some kind of reconciliation within those family dynamics if and when possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Samantha and I were talking about this. Obviously, with every family, there are hard dynamics. And so we don't want to sit here and act naive to maybe you as a listener saying like, you don't even know my situation or you don't understand what the hurt or you don't understand the situation. Or the we danger totally, of my family or the yeah. unhealthy, like we, yeah. we have friends we and to- we know Yes, that. Yeah. and we totally get that. And so we want to hear that and not be naive to that. But we also, again, looking at the Bible that like Christ, you know, Jesus was in a family unit and you see throughout the gospel that his family was involved up until the day he died. Like they were a part of his mission. He went back and visited them. He didn't maybe like always like live in their house, but he was with them and he brought them into the mission of spreading God's good news. And so you see that he cherishes that. And then again, he like places us in families. And so all of that to say, we know this is hard. We know it's not always something 
that's like easy or natural. whatever. Yeah, yeah, natural. But we do believe and we do believe as Christians that our God is a God of restoration and he's God of restoring and redemption. And we do believe that we have to fight for those things, even in families. Okay. And that actually brings up a point that I was thinking about. So, you know, I think a lot of times when we get married or I've heard younger girls, or I think even maybe I had some of this mentality when I was a lot more immature about this, but I think we can kind of take the idea of leaving and cleaving and something that's super biblical. And when maybe a mother-in-law or father-in-law or whoever has difficulty with that relationship, like letting it go, I've heard a lot of times that used as an excuse, maybe when it is just a difficult relationship of kind of placing the blame on that mother-in-law or whoever saying like, like, well, they just like won't give us our space or she can't figure out how to let go or, you know, using that instead of also just realizing like, yeah, that it also could just be a hard relationship and you're still called to press into that. That's maybe not her not letting her son go and like leave and cleave. That's maybe just a difficult dynamic that you guys need to work through. I don't know. I feel like I hear that used a lot as just the like Christian newly married excuse of like crazy in-laws. They won't let us like leave. Yes. Well, and Samantha and I wanted to have this conversation to talk about like we totally are in that and hear that and have experienced some of that hardship ourselves. But we kind of wanted to like take a few like what are some practical like things that we can think about that we can use as reminders or just like ways to think about these like have different perspectives towards our in-laws or joining families. And I think that goes actually into that first one that I heard it from someone one time and I can't really remember who, but I think especially in Christian communities, it is obviously marriage is hard. You hear that all the time. Marriage is a gift. Marriage is like the second most important decision you're going to make. It's a huge deal. And we get that. And so I think when you get married, especially as a Christian couple, you're like, you know, we really need to set our family up. We need to figure out what our family looks like as us too. And there's a lot of emphasis on you guys creating that. And I said it myself and I hear other people say like, well, we've never done this before. So we're trying to figure out like the best way for like us to function the best way. And it's all about you two as a couple, which I think going back to that, like in the same way, it's the first time that you guys are husband and wife. And it's the first time you're experiencing a lot of different things in your marriage and your communication and your dynamics of like being a married couple now it's also the first time that that parent has ever let their child go. It's the first time that that parent, even if they have had other people, other children in their family get married, it's the first time they've let this child go get married. And so I think if we can all give them the benefit of the doubt and see that perspective of them, that we're all trying, they hope and wish the exact same happiness as that like you should have for them as well. And so if we can all give each other the benefit of the doubt and just assume the best in their intentions that as you are trying to like grow your marriage, they are trying to do the leave and cleave thing as much as like that as well, but they've never done that before. Well, and I want to say this too. I think even in some dynamics, I can think of certain situations or friends or just dynamics where I think, you know what? I don't think that person actually did have the best intentions, but I think there's a lot to be said about still treating it like they did. I mean, I think when we can only control one side of things, it's like, well, I'm still going to assume the best of them even maybe when deep down that person doesn't want the best on the other end. Yeah, that's so true. Us us assuming that just goes a long way. And I almost think it can shift that other side of it too, that other, that in-law or you, whoever's on the other side to want to have that heart towards 
things too. I mean, it's kind of like the old class of like come with kindness. Like when we really do set that example, it's really, really hard for someone to kind of still come back at you with just a lot of like ill-intended things. And so, I mean, I think that's true of like, okay, well, yeah, probably not every in-law situation has the best intentions like you're saying, but still us fighting to assume that regardless, I just think shows a lot of humility and can go a long way in building that relationship. And I think we can even take that perspective into other situations as we then grow in our marriages as well. Just assuming the best in as we learn more things about our spouse or we learn more things about the family dynamic they're coming out of that maybe we think is crazy or we think is really unhealthy or we think is just not correct. But just assuming the best that like, again, you know, that was your experience. Let's talk about my experience and let's come to a conclusion together. As we're joining families, I think a lot of that can just really be like a mindset change if we really are assuming the best and giving each other the benefit of the doubt in what we're coming from. I think that's interesting about communicating. If we think about friendships or even our own family, usually we're a lot more willing to be vocal. Like I'm just thinking about maybe a mom versus a mother-in-law. Maybe you'd be a lot more willing to be vocal about something with your own mom. And I think there's good and bad that you would refrain from saying to your mother-in-law possibly. And where I'm using that, this could be a brother-in-law, a sister-in-law, whatever, an aunt-in-law that's difficult, family dynamic, whatever it is. But I think we almost lack this sense of desire to communicate when things have been hurtful or when things like aren't working well, we kind of just sit in it and complain about it behind their back instead of being willing to enter into a hard conversation. Maybe that's because a lot of times I think I've seen when families join together, a lot of people have really different communication styles growing up. So maybe you're not comfortable with the way that they communicate things or vice versa and don't know how they would respond or you don't want to hurt their feelings or all these different layers to it. But I think a lot of times when we choose to not go there in conversation and communicate with them, we're just storing up bitterness and it ends up coming out in a lot more unhealthy ways down the road. And so we tend to take this like us versus them mentality versus just sitting down across the table and in a calm way saying like, hey, the way that you say this has been like a repetitive thing in our relationship and it's actually hurtful because of this or hey, I don't think you realize you're doing this, but like when you do X, Y, and Z, it comes off like this to me and my spouse Mm -hmm. or something like that. Which is so interesting. I mean, I'm kind of laughing slash ashamed of myself as I say this because I have for sure done this. Like I am not like, please understand, like I have been exactly here, but it is so interesting, like in relationships and in friendships, I try really hard to communicate well, communicate gracefully. When I think I have done something wrong, I want to be the first to apologize to a friend. I want to do all these things with my friends because I care about my friends a ton. But then somehow when it comes to family, we like think that we don't need to do that. We think that like, no, those should just be easier. Or we like, we don't need to fix communications or we don't need to apologize or we don't need to say like, hey, that hurt my feelings. Can you not do that next time? But like, no, that's exactly like our family is the first people who God is giving us as a ministry. Like those are the first people he says that like, these are the people that you are going to live out the gospel with first and foremost you know, because we're born into those things. And I think practically why that's harder a lot of times is like maybe you and your husband are trying to live a life that revolves around your relationship with God and you make decisions based out of your faith in Him. And a lot of family dynamics, that isn't true where other people are coming to the table with that same perspective. So even just from a practical sense, as you're saying that, I'm like hearing how hard that actually is because Mm -hmm. I think it would be hard when you're coming from that dynamic to want to meet someone there. But again, like what we were saying about assuming the best, a lot of times when we lead by 
by example and not in a prideful way. I'm saying just like honestly in our humble actions to that person, I think a lot of times they reciprocate that because it's honestly awkward if you don't like it, you know. So I think that's good. But then like as it comes down to it, like we understand that there are hard dynamics and there are really hurtful things that happen in families. And at times, maybe that looks like time apart or maybe that looks like setting up some boundaries that hopefully in the future hope for a reconciled relationship or whatever that may look like. But Samantha that I really wanted to just end this conversation and really talk about that. Like we do believe that God is a God of restoration and he redeems broken things. And this is not how the world is supposed to be. This isn't how families are supposed to be because of the fall relationships are hard and you know marriage is hard and letting your child get married is hard and so we do believe that God is a God of all these things and that ultimately when it comes down to it we should be praying for reconciliation and we should be praying for redemption in our families when relationships get broken or you know we need to step away for the health of the relationship, but praying for that future reconciliation. Still having hope for it. And again, we understand we actually have friends that cannot see family members due to certain things that would be unsafe or unhealthy for them and their kids. And we're not like speaking on those things, but I think there still has to be a sense of hope that God could redeem those. And I think it's just really important to remember that we are placed in these families. And I was just even thinking, I really do think not to get all weird and like preachy, but I think that the devil is working and has been working for a long time by destroying these family units and relationships that were intended to be honestly our most safe and comfortable relationships that we have on earth. I think that that is like the number one thing he can do is like jump into those and just destroy them. And then it's like, if we let that happen, it almost feels even further and further away from that like idea of reconciliation. And so kind of praying to fight against that. Yeah, just fighting against sin within these family dynamics and relationships and to kind of, again, be that example and lead the way, even when it feels like no one else in your family is wanting that or doing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we hope this is encouraging. We know that there's not obviously like, an exact solution or a formula a formula to making these relationships just function well. But I do think that as Christians, we can take the first stance in seeing these family units as a blessing, as a gift. That's something that God has given us and placed us in for a reason and paired us with our spouse for a reason. And so using that time to glorify him and whatever that may look like and just bringing glory to his name and how we love and communicate with others. Yeah, I think really quick too, I think listening to our episode about how to love hard people is a good example too of just going back to this. It's like, we don't really get to use the excuse. I hope in a way that this would convict you if you've been where I've been at times, like that you can kind of just check out and not want to have to put any thought or energy into these. I really hope you can see that we're called to that and there could be a lot of beauty that comes from that in these Hey, thanks for going there with us. If you loved what you heard, don't forget to follow along with us at Going There, the podcast. And it also means so much to us if you subscribe to our podcast and shared it with a friend. Talk to you soon.